Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 131, if you would please, Psalm 131. Next week, we will begin a study in the book of Colossians as a church. Pastor Jonathan Ray will lead us in those studies. That's going to be neat just to see the Savior week after week after week after we go through this. It'll be a great study and a wonderful book. I want to say thank you for letting me speak on four Sundays in May. I think uh, thank you more for trusting me, allowing me to do that. But I got my chair back there, remember, and I can't wait to join my wife, and we'll be there together. Thank you again for allowing me to do this. Let me read Psalm 131, a familiar psalm, uh, only three verses written 3,000 years ago, but because it came to us from God's hand, it's as living today as it was when David first wrote it. Psalm 131, O Lord, my heart is not proud nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters and things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rest against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. When Sarah and I were first married, I soon discovered that we had differences of opinion. Does that happen at your house? Yeah. When we were first young, I had lived with Marines for two years. I knew more about living with Marines than I did living with a wife, my poor wife. (laughs) But one day I was trying to help her. I thought I'd go ahead and before the days of dishwashers and such things... uh, uh, she had taken care of cleaning some uh, dishes and glasses, and I was taking the dry glasses, putting them up in the shelf, and she comes in the room and says, uh, what are you doing? I said, well, I thought I'd help. I'd like to put some you know, glasses up in the cupboard. And she says, why would you do it that way? And I'm thinking, <clears throat> and how would you do it? And, and so she explained to me how we think differently, entirely differently, And after more than 45 years of marriage, we can still be standing looking at the same thing. And she's thinking and saying one thing, and I'm in a different solar system. We just don't think alike a lot of times. And to her credit, she thinks things through a lot more thoroughly than I do different times. Going to see some friends who had moved down south into a smaller town of about 25,000 days before GPS. As we drive down there to get close to them, uh, I know I'm close in the area. Uh, we've got the general landmarks that they sent to us, and, but I can't find the street. And Sarah comes up with that wonderful line, why don't we just stop and ask? Me being the Marine that I was, that I am, well, I think I got this. Uh, I think we can do this. So what do we do? We continue to drive. An hour later, I burn up a half a tank of gas. (laughs) We still don't find the place. And the only thing that's changed is that in the car, there is a strained relationship. 
I think my wife will get more crowns for just living with me for 45 years. Think about that spiritually. God has, God has told us that he is committed to guiding us, to leading us in life. <clears throat> he has a plan for our lives. He knows where he wants to take us. We've all learned by now that his plan is going to be far better than anything that we could come up with. And as we travel down this road that we call life, there are times that even though we love the Lord dearly, we come away thinking, you know, God, I think I got this covered. I think I'd like to do this my way. I can do this. And so off we go. And the problem is not so much that we burn up a little extra gas or waste some time. If we're not careful, we can burn up a lot of time. We're talking weeks, months, sometimes even years that we'll never be able to get back. And our relationships in that process, sometimes we can damage relationships that are not easily repaired all because we wanted to do it our way. I got this covered. You're thinking, what in the world does this have to do with Psalm 131? Notice verse 3, where it says, Oh, Israel, David's his appeal, his plea to Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Uh, we use words... And sometimes we have to ask a few more questions. Someone says, well, would you come over and help me paint? Well, yeah, I'll be glad to help you paint. And then we're thinking, is that brush, spray, or roll? You know, we want to get prepared to things. This particular word that's used here, some of you have weight, some of you have hope, trust. The, what's di distinct about this is it means to get a hold of God and don't let go. What he is asking them to do is not to think about something. I'm going to hope in the Lord. I'm going to think this in the future. It's going to work out in the future. None of that stuff. Find God, get a hold of him, and don't let go. That's what he's talking about. So the question for us today is, are we going to trust God, or are we going to do it our way? And that's what he's asking Israel to do. And in verses 1 and 2, how he got to the place where he was thrilled that he had a hold of God again and he was not going to let go. A great little psalm, and we want to study it together. That's why we have the pictures on the screen of people just holding on to one another. And that's what God is asking us to listen to this morning as we look at this together. Let's work our way through it very, very easily. Notice again verse 1, O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. The first thing we notice are those three nots. In Hebrew, not is the first word in each one of those phrases. Not is my heart proud. Not are my eyes lofty. Not am I being too ambitious and way out of line with who I am. Not any of those things. David said, I'm, I'm just not there anymore. Uh, I, I am not there anymore. Let's notice the first phrase where it says, Oh Lord, my heart is not proud. When you start in, 
in the Psalms especially, uh, noticing the different names that are used of God. It's a great study. This one is capital letters. It refers to the God who is always faithful to his people, always keeps his promises, always know how to tenderly care for their needs. You can't find a, a more tender word for God than this. This is just a wonderful thing. As David begins this, he's saying, oh Lord, my great, my faithful God. And then he leads into his subject, my heart. Oh God, my heart is not proud. It's not haughty. It's, it's not arrogant. And the first phrase shows this, that a godly man will talk honestly to God about his heart. A godly man is a man who will stand before God willingly in total transparency, not trying to hide anything, excuse anything. God, this is who I am. This is where I am. God, I want you to look at my heart. And you remember, let the meditations of my uh, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, David talked about earlier, be acceptable in your sight. He was a man who was focused on his heart. I like what Matthew Henry said in his commentary. Godly men will see themselves as a child and never fall in love with their own shadow. Kind of a neat way to say that, isn't it? Never fall in love with their own shadows. We will never be able to get a hold of God and know that he's close as long as we think we're more important than we are. Just won't happen. David has gone through that a little bit here in this, in his life, and he's telling us about the journey that he's been through and what a great way to start. What, a, what an incredible challenge. And this theme is major in both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're familiar with the verses that talk about humility. Uh, it's, just, it's just everywhere. We're, we're so familiar with them. We understand that God will never give his blessings to those who are arrogant. He just won't. Uh, whether it's in the Proverbs or whether it's in the New Testament, we have verses like, uh, Wherefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast your care upon him. He cares for you. We know that by heart. We also know in James that the writer talks about this whole concept. He says, God gives grace. Now, therefore, just as it is written, and remember, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself to God. Draw near to God on all around being humble. I found it interesting when it said God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Resist is a military term. It refers to people who they pull together a, a command center for a, an approaching battle. They get it all together so that they can create the offensive and push the enemy back. That pushing the enemy back is the word resist. It means that when God sees that his people are struggling in pride, sometimes he pushes them around. They cannot advance. He wants to take charge. Kind of an interesting picture here in this area. What we have in the screen is a man who, on one hand, worships God, but he's, he's honest enough to look himself in the mirror and to realize where his heart is. And that's what God wants, really, isn't it? For all of us, he wants our hearts. And godly men and women talk honestly to God about what's the, in their heart. Let's notice the next phrase. Neither are 
my eyes lofty. Uh, David was not seeing himself better than others. He was not looking down upon others. I think we've all learned enough about ourselves in life. If I allow myself to be filled with myself, I will look down on you. <laughs> it's not, you, can, you can write that down. What impacts my heart will come out through my face, my eyes, my gestures, and you'll just see it. You can't hide that. And, and David has gone through some things here. You know, when I use the phrase holding on to God, and that's what David is trying to emphasize in that concluding verse, holding on to God, it's, it's because we think of being real close to someone when we hold them. And, and that's a great place to be at when you have someone that's dear to you and you're holding on to them and they feel that they're holding on to you. But we also need to understand that if I allow my heart to be lifted up with myself, if I'm looking down upon others, then God is not going to be anywhere to be found in my life practically. Practically. God doesn't like that. He will not bless me if I am puffed up with myself and at the same time look down on others. And that's why I put up on the screen uh, the, the very familiar parable that Jesus talked about two men going to the temple to pray. You remember that, don't you? There was a man, a member of the clergy of all people, you know, a priest that went up to the temple to pray and he prayed thus with himself. God, I want to thank you that I am this, I am that, I am all these things. God, it's great that I'm on your team. You know, he is really focused. Then he says, I'm sure glad that I'm not like him. You remember that? And it says, Jesus told us that a man would not even look up his eyes to heaven and smote his breast and said, God, will you be merciful to me, a sinner? And Jesus concludes by saying, this was the man that was right with God, not the other man. And the Bible warns us on the, the damage that pride can do, not only in our own lives, with others around us, but just spiritually. God cannot be close. He will not be close to those who have too much of a high opinion of themselves. In Proverbs, it says in chapter 6, there are seven things that the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him. You know that passage. Remember what the first one is? A proud look. So it reminds me in this particular passage that, that if I am going to get a hold of God and I'm going to enjoy closeness with Him, not only do I have to watch my heart, I've got to watch my relationships with others. Now here's where Hebrew is fun. I went back to learn Hebrew from the pastor, from the man at church or in the seminary, who meant more to me than any other uh, professor. He really impacted my life. And I was thinking I was getting a little dry. It was when I was here 20 years ago. And the board allowed me to take a focus on Hebrew. And I really enjoyed just sitting in that class to get the juices going again. Hebrew is very descriptive. It describes actions in all ways, shapes, and form. And what David says here is, God, you know that I am not walking to and fro around all these people with my heart thinking that I'm way up here looking down on them. You know, I don't do that. That's not the way I travel among your people. And it's a great thing to be able to see this, this emphasis. God, I am not there anymore. He has gotten through that. Something happened in his life or that was with his uh, combat, competition with Saul, or we're not quite sure what, but he's gotten beyond that. Notice the last phrase where it says, nor do I exercise myself <clears throat> in great matters, things too wonderful for me. 
the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrews write it, uh, I do not aspire to things, great things that are beyond me. He's simply not ambitious. He's not trying to look beyond and see great things. Remember what God said to, to one of his servants, seekest thou great things for themselves? Seek for yourself. Don't do that. Don't, he, he's not doing that. But again, putting these phrases together, as long as I am proud, my heart will be not right. My relationship with others will be not right. And unfortunately, I won't even think right about what I'm doing with my life or what I want to do with my life. I went to the, uh, to the Hebrews, the actual Jewish people who write commentaries on the Psalms, and I read from Rabbi... Um, Zetowitz and Noshan Sharman, and they wrote this about this particular psalm. I just wanted to see if I had what they were thinking, if what they were thinking about this psalm. David plums the depths of his own soul and, re- and reveals an innocent childlike quality of a trusting soul. David has pushed pride from his heart and restrained himself from boasting or becoming arrogant because of his many triumphs and was guarding against becoming delusional in his life. And they, got, they captured what God was trying to say here as they thought about David. David was a great man. David was an incredible man. He was a strong man. He was a warrior. He was very successful. He was very, very significant to the people of Israel. But when it came to his approach before God, he was a child. And I think that's one of the things that we see. I have on the screen behind me a picture of a a woman holding a Bible. And she's elderly, you can tell by looking at her hands. Uh, This week we received a new resident into the Middletown home. And she's only going to be there a little while um, because she's just getting some therapy, some rehab. And she's going to go right back home and she's fine. And I went in to introduce myself, and I said, hi, I'm, I'm Pastor Dan. I'm the chaplain here. And she smiled and asked me to sit down. And she said, do you believe in the Holy Bible? <laughs> I said, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. And she says, well, you know, I do too. And I have learned if I don't read a little bit of God's Word every night, I'm going to forget what I've learned. And so childlike, she said, I don't want to do that. I'm thinking, this is a woman who is great in her faith, established in her faith, but when it comes to God, she's like a child. And that's what David is trying to portray here. It's a wonderful thing to know that God is really never too far away. And he genuinely speaks of his humility, doesn't he? And he doesn't lose it. The people that write on this little psalm all come up with this amazement that he could speak so genuinely about his own humility, but he still has it. In our last church, there was a man who, when we first began our ministry in New Jersey, he, he, he was telling me, he said, Pastor, I just want you to know I'm not proud. I didn't think anything about it the first time. About the third time, I'm thinking, why would he think it necessary to tell me that he's not proud? Let's just give this some time. And at the end of a couple of years, he was, not, he was not humble at all. He was very, very proud. David, in this particular passage, is reminding us, if we are to find God and enjoy a hold, a grasp of him, 
then we have to take care of our hearts. We have to take care of our relationships with others. And we certainly have to be careful on being ambitious with life, self-serving. That's not where God wants us to be. We've got to watch that. Let's notice the next verse. No, before we go to that, let me ask you. David is talking about himself in the outline. One thought that I came, you folks are keeping me up at night. Do you know that? <laughs> I think about this psalm. The hardest part is, okay, now I'm thinking about the congregation, but God, you're working me over here too. But I'm thinking about what am I missing? What am I missing? And, and I thought of something. Those two illustrations that I used of Sarah and I in the car or driving or, or having differences of opinion. When we think about, we listen to David think about himself, we need to think about ourselves. Okay, are you a person that's honestly looking at your own heart? Do you do that? Uh, are you a person that honestly, honestly, it's your habit, you are genuinely honest with God about what's on the inside? When I thought about that, I thought, you know, there are probably two kinds of responses in this church or any church. The first one is this, Pastor, I have traveled the road that, that David has traveled. I have learned that I have to be honest with my own heart. And I'd like to think that I've pushed pride out of my life, and I'm very sensitive to that. Yeah, I think I have done this. I th really think I have. There are other people who would probably respond by saying this, and this is what I think I was kept up for. Well, Dan, I think uh, what I need to say is that I have some issues with God right now. Uh, God and I aren't thinking alike. We're thinking differently about some things. God thinks this way. But I don't, I just can't do that. I'm thinking over, over in this way. I, I, I can't get my thoughts to agree with what God has stated in his word. Now, if, if that's you, then you need to be very, very careful. If there's an issue that just, it's, it's not settling to you, you're having difficulty, and you're coming away thinking, you know what, I just am not in agreement with this at all. You need to be very, very careful. When we're talking with people today and we're expressing our opinion, something that means very important to us, is very important to us, and they come up with an entirely different opinion, and they're saying, no, I don't really kind of agree with you. If we're not careful, we can kind of blow them off, kind of emotionally check out, and we know that there's distance now between them. I can't, you know, that's just, I don't agree with that. You cannot afford to do that with God. None of us can you talk about a recipe for disaster, that's it. When a person can come to the place where, you know, I know what God says, but I don't think I agree with that. I, God and me have some different opinions here, so I think I'll do this on my own. Guaranteed disaster. If you do have an, uh, an issue that's just hard for you to settle as you think about God's Word, let me encourage you, go to the Word of God, understand why God has come up with this position that He has or this thought that He has. There's always a good reason for it, but don't be pushing God away because you want to do things your way because you don't agree with what God does. Don't, don't even go there. Let's go to the second thing now. You'll like this picture. Do 
David calms himself. Notice this verse. It's a beautiful picture. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul. The phrase composed and quieted, one word in Hebrew. Composed, quieted, stilled my soul like a weaned child. Rest against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within you. He has calmed himself. He's talked about himself, but now he's calmed himself. If you'll notice, the verse 2 begins with either the word but or surely. But or surely, it's a word of strong emotion. It's what people would do to take oath. And what he's saying is, I am not what verse 1 is. I am not there anymore. I've worked my way through that. And now with some emotion, but this is where I am. And that's where he goes into verse 2. And he talks about this weaned child. Like a weaned child upon its mother. Twice he uses that. I had to stop and think, now what am I going to do with that? I'm a dad. I don't give birth to babies. I don't understand a lot of this stuff. It's been a long time since we had small children at home. So I began to read in some articles and to try to find out a little bit better about just uh, what David is referring to here. When a child is born for the first several months, all that they need for their uh, nourishment and growth comes from their mother's milk. A great, great provision for God. Again, the master designer. Great. Everything that baby needs, that baby boy or girl will be able to get from mom. Articles that I was reading suggested that between six and eight months, depending upon the child, there will now be a need for the child to move away from a dependence entirely upon the mother's milk and move into the area of solid food. Because the baby's development, its, its body now, it needs more. The mother's milk cannot provide everything. Makes sense to me. So I started to read about the area of <clears throat> of weaning, because that's the process when a baby is kind of directed to, away from a dependence upon mother's milk to solids foods. And there was, a, there was a doctor that wrote this statement. The weaning process is often traumatic. And I'm thinking, that does not sound good. Traumatic, trauma. There are hospitals that are called trauma hospitals. That's where they, they send the worst of their cases. And if weaning is going to be linked to trauma, I'm not so sure that's a nice peaceful setting. Trauma. I'm thinking, i got to read a little bit more of this. And as I read the articles, I was a little bit amused, but again, I, I reminded about what my wife, Sarah, went through taking care of our two kids and our daughter going through four little girls. There comes a time when the baby has an incredible sense of awareness. Time to eat. Mom puts the baby in the chair and introduces solid food. Now, the baby can't talk, but it can show its thoughts by the way it's looking. What's that? I've never had that before. Doesn't know what to do with the milk. That's not milk. And so you can see this. So mom just goes ahead, puts that little baby food in there, and, and away it goes. And all of a sudden, this baby is thinking, What's going on here? It, it just doesn't know how to, but it knows that something in there that's not quite, quite the same. And so it has a response, spits it out. Well, mom, who is bent on knowing this, this need that needs to take, needs to take place, puts a little bit more in, puts a little bit more in. And the baby's thinking, what do I do with this? The baby's never chewed before. 
Babies never swallowed, didn't have to really swallow hard food or solid food like that. And so as the baby begins to process that, the baby begins to gag. Food goes everywhere. We're talking major trauma here. But mom has got to help the baby to get through that. So the mom grabs a little baby in the chin, can do that much bigger than the baby, takes that spoon and begins to get that stuff. Baby's got to understand that. And this baby is now being turned left and right and cry and fuss and fume, right, ladies, because of doing it. And the baby is processing this, trying to think, why is it for six months you've told me you loved me, but you're crying to kill me? What are you doing? Get rid of the food stuff. Just give me the milk. Baby doesn't know what to do. So it is for the baby, it's very traumatic, this wrestling. And every mom knows here that that mother is not going to quit until the process is done because the baby needs to be pulled away from the milk to a diet of solid food. More the body, It has to. It's a growth program. It has to. And so the mom keeps working at it. Remember when our children were small and both occasions when this process came Sarah would get a large loincloth and put it down in the middle of the floor and put the baby the high chair right in the middle of it because she knew that food was going to go everywhere and it did and it was easier to clean up if it was more localized ladies you do that too pastor Jonathan got a question you got some great teens the wreaths that the teens made for the folks during Christmas, some of our residents still have them up there. They look to them. Would you, you got great teens. Would you say, maybe I should ask Mr. Fry, would you say that your teens are perfect teens? You're not going to go there, all right? How about if we ask the teens if they are perfect teens, what would they say? They wouldn't. Good, good. Kids, have some fun with this. Go back and ask your moms, how bad was it when you tried to get me on solid food? How much of a mess did I make? I can guarantee you, your mom remembers. Okay? But you needed a growth program, an adjustment, so that you can move ahead. Here's what David is saying here in this area. God understands that there are times that we need to be moved ahead in our growth progress or program of growth and sometimes we can't really make progress until we're ready to let go of some of the things that we're holding on to so that we can move ahead into the growth and the development that he has for us can you see that David says as he refers to himself as a weaned child I've come through the process I've let go of clamoring, in a sense, with mom. And now I've learned just to lean upon her. I've gone through the process. I am weaned. I am growing in development. And I'm okay with that. And he's leaning as a child against his mother as it relates to being in his soul. David accepted the growth plan that came from God for his life and let go And just let God take care of him. Mothers, you have a great, great moment when at different times you can just hold that child close to yourself and know that the baby is just soaking up all the love that you can give to that child. That's where David is right now. And he loves it. He just loves knowing that not only is God close, he's just holding right on because he loves being loved by God. 
as a pastor, over the different uh, 40 years of ministry that my wife and shared as a pastor, I was remembering different people who, after years of struggling to let go of the wrong things or the wrong people of their life, that came to the place got, they knew they needed to change in their life and they needed to let go of some things that they weren't going ahead spiritually, uh, even in their family and their personal lives, until they made things right with God. And the times where there were some incredible, incredible tears and just grief because they needed to let go. It was a problem looking back, also realizing that they had to go into the... They just needed to make things right. And in every one of those cases, when a person would make sure that they let go and just put themselves in God's hands, immediately peace and calm came over those folks. Immediately. Because they let go of the thing that was holding them back. And then there are other people like Elizabeth... Another one of our members at the Milltown home, who's 94 years old, only been there a few months, she's never wrestled with God because she's been holding either on to the wrong thing or the wrong people. Nothing ever like that. Uh, And yet she's had to learn to trust God. One day I asked her, uh, about a month ago, I asked her what I thought was a very innocent question, and her response blew me out of the water. I did not see this coming. And she told me of the trauma, this 94-year-old lady, trauma that she had to go through when she was the mother to two small little girls. And as I listened to her when she got done, I said, Elizabeth, I am so very sorry. If I had known that's what you were going to, I would have never asked I would have never opened that wound again. I would have never, would you please forgive me? I'm sorry. I would never have wanted to hurt you. And like a grandmother figure, she tapped my hand, smiled, and she said, that's okay. And she pointed to a plaque on her wall she had brought from home. That's my verse. In quietness and confidence is my strength. And she had learned that whenever her back was against the wall. If she would cling to God, God would always be there to take care of her. And she was like that child. We're just about done. One other lady, she came in for some rehab to go back home. She was only there five weeks, and she was scared to death to come to a nursing home. She was in her mid-80s. And she was just having trouble. She didn't have enough strength in her legs to be able to walk. And so they began rehab with her. And she was scared to death. Out of her home, by herself, into a place where she's surrounded with new staff, with new procedures, new schedules, everything. And it's a room. It's not her house. And she, she's really having She's just scared. And she told me later that she, she went to bed every night holding her pillow as if it were her Savior. And saying, Lord, I want to trust you. I want, to care for, I want you to care for me. And she just kept that up. And about four days later, she said, it's amazing. That's not a problem anymore. She made this statement, I have learned this is not a place I need to be afraid of. That was because she was holding on to her Savior, holding on to her, and she knew that God was holding back too. And so when we come to the end of this psalm, where David is saying, oh Israel, hope in the Lord, what he's saying then by using this word, get a hold of God, hold on to him, and just don't let go, now and forever. And it's a great message for all of us. 
This is Memorial Day. We do want to remember those who, who have given their lives so our country can have the freedoms that it does. This is a battle, beloved, we all need to face and win. We need to subdue pride when it comes into our We just have to. But the other reason that we wanted to look at this is because we are beginning a journey to the church's next pastor. And what God would want for all of us together is to be humble, to hold on to him, knowing that he will take just good care of us in every way possible. Write this down if you want to do some more study. Christian Counseling, Psalm 131. Christian Counseling, Psalm 131. If you were to look that up on the internet, you would come to an article. uh, The man, his name is Paulson, P-O-W-L-I-S-O-N, Paulson. Christian Counseling, Psalm 131. And as he looks at David's life and follows the different things that David's saying, he concludes by saying this, calmness And peace of life is a matter of choice. Calmness and peace of life is a matter of choice. David made right choices. And he is telling us to do the same thing too. Christian Counseling, Psalm 131, Paulson. David did us a great favor by giving us this psalm. Let's enjoy being children, infants, totally convinced that we can trust our Heavenly Father for absolutely everything. Let's bow for prayer, please. Father, thank you tonight, this morning rather, for the time that we've had today. Thank you for uh, the simplistic approach to a very brief portion of Scripture. But Father, it's filled with so much life. David has mirrored the life of the Savior totally mirrored the life of the Savior who was never arrogant in his heart, never looked down on others, never ambitious for himself. And what a great calling we all have to be like our Savior. Father, would you be with those who are wrestling with their life because of those issues that David talked about that he had to deal with? And for those who may not be thinking that they can agree with God, with you, would you help them to put the brakes on that real quick and protect them from putting distance between themselves and you? Father, thank you that you love us as a mother loves a child. Help us to rely upon that. Father, we wait upon you to care for us personally, to care for us as a church, and we will thank you for the growth plan that you have for us In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what a good reminder, not only in God's word, but that song of just our need to cling to our Savior, to realize that we don't have all the answers, but he does. And we can cling to him and have peace because we're part of his family. Uh, I'm thankful for Pastor Dan and his ministry. I'll give him some time to get back to the door so you can greet people. And, and, uh, but I don't know about a few, but I've been thankful for his ministry in, the, in this past month and bringing us uh, the word and, and just been encouraged and challenged by that. And, and so as you're uh, making your way out the door today, make sure you stop and just say thank you to him for, for his ministry with us. Um, tonight, uh, we have no services because it's Memorial Day weekend, and we just wanted to, just to, to, to pause and, and thank God and thank those who served our country uh, so, 
so bravely that, uh, that we can gather together here freely and worship God. And we know that, uh, uh, that many gave many of their years and even their lives to serve our country and, and provide the freedom that we have. And so we're so thankful for, for, for you veterans and you currently serving. And so thank you for, for choosing to do that. And we just wanted to say a special thank you to you. Uh, just a few things as you go. Next Sunday, we will not be in here. We'll be next door in the Family Life Center. And, uh, and right after that is our church picnic. So come in your picnic clothes. Uh, so uh, come in your shorts and your t- in your t-shirts because you know if it's anything like this week it was it's going to be hot and hopefully sunny and and so come ready to go to the picnic and and but we will not be here we'll be uh, next door and uh, and be, we are not going to be here because Tuesday we start the renovation process of this uh, this room and so if you could give us a hand here as you leave today we need to stack the chairs and we need to help kind of clear the stage and move the piano up up one uh, step. And, and so if you could help us out today as you leave, that would be great. Also, if you have a little bit of time tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, we're going to kind of tear into the carpet on the stage and remove that uh, tomorrow morning just to kind of get a heads up in this renovation process. But uh, we're excited for, uh, for what's going to happen in just uh, in two short months to this, to this building. And, and, but uh, we will not be here next week, so keep that in mind. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.